Well, welcome everybody. Um, it's always good when sectionals have some time to talk together, right? Nobody has an opinion, nobody has any life experience to share. So there's no reason to talk to each other, right? Right. So let's start with a little life experience right now. If your school today had a violent, critical incident, something happened at your school that's not supposed to happen, who knows the plan? Anybody in this room? Right. I, I know some of the plan. I know parts of the plan. Take a minute. Share with your nearest neighbor what parts of the plan you know if the armed intruder walks through that door right now. What happens at your school? So let's start Things in their own classroom that would possibly save lives. Mm -hmm. 
for us, the answer is no. Not these two. No. Okay. <laughs> All right. Everybody else, do we think it's possible we could save some lives? Yeah. So. Okay. Uh, how many of you spoke uh, pretty basically about a, a simple lockdown? Mm-hmm. Lockdown, most, most people's number one option. Okay. Have you discussed or has your school um, brought up at all other options? Mm-hmm. Okay. How much training have you done on other options? No. Okay. See, that is, that is the response I knew I was going to get today from most of us. And it is the greatest weakness. My school right now is in the same boat, by the way. I got trained this past March. And there's two other people in our school who are uh, part of this training team. And we wanted to jump right in in August, and we were ready to go, and some of what I'm going to show you today is what we want to show our own staff. They haven't even seen it yet. And I'm here at CEA sharing this with you guys. And my own people don't even know what I'm going to talk with you about this morning, which concerns me. It's not good that we're not using the options-based uh, response for any violent critical incident. So remember now, the Alice folks that did the training for me for the two days that I was there, they're training people in business, they're training people in colleges and universities with multiple buildings across locations, they're training you know, the, the one-room schoolhouse, if you will, with all the wings and all the windows and all the door options, and they're looking at all those situations and saying, we think by giving you some pretty concrete ideas on how you can act, knowing your building infrastructure and utilizing all your communication options that you can accomplish the mission. You're going to save your life and you're going to save kids' lives. And I know you don't think about that sometimes as a teacher. Yes, I'm responsible for the kids in my room and they're learning. But in that moment, violent critical incident and trigger in the building, you are now not just responsible for their learning anymore, but now you've got their lives in your hands, right? And there are some situations that have been studied and learned in the last 20 years, since certainly Columbine in the late 90s, that have taught the trainers a lot of good things. And I hope to only be able to share a little bit with you today. But let's get into some of it, okay? So if the mission is to save more lives, some people have learned through 15 years of doing this. Implementation in a lot of schools is hard. You might get some resistance, right? We can only train on so many things. We only have so many professional development days. How are we going to get this done? Sometimes content's inconsistently delivered. Quality is difficult. And I don't disagree with that at all. Uh, Some of the training we went through uh, proved some pretty dramatic changes as we went through the scenarios a second, third, and fourth time. And we're adults reacting to the training for the first time. Not just kids in your classroom looking for your leadership from you. So... You're going to have turnover on your staff. You're going to have turnovers of instructors. I might leave Crown Point Christian. That leaves two other people still there. Uh, so it's going to be some inconsistency in that. We need constant training. New teachers every year, right? So you do you make this part of new teacher orientation every year? Is that as important as all the other curriculum things you need to do? Audience needs and certainly your objectives are going to vary depending on your building and your situation. But the great thing about Alice is they want you to go back to your school and they want you to figure out what works for you out of all the options that they present you with. So I'd like to throw some things at you today. It's going to be a little bit of a scattering effect. But this is what they would like you to buy into in a perfect world 
And I'm already going to tell you that our school is not ready to buy into the e-learning side for every teacher. Okay? So this is Alice uh, Training Materials, and they're telling me that if you want to do the best job in this, if your school invests in e-learning, and then you have an instructor, one or two possibly, three if you're fortunate on your staff, okay, depending on the size of your school, if you can get those folks to use the blended model live training along with e-learning, that most of what Alice is trying to teach you can become a part of your school culture and can become a part of who you are. Well, like I said, our school's not ready to jump into e-learning yet. Uh, there is an expense involved in that. And your waste budgets are limited. So in a given year, might our school buy into that? Might our board? I don't know. I'm certainly going to ask for the option and uh, pursue it and look into it. But there's some pretty amazing stuff that they give us access to as instructors. So you don't really need to watch the news very much to know why this is important, right? Has it become blessedly obvious to all of us that this is happening too often and in too many places and too many ways? So sometimes the uh, Alice folks want to give you a quick look at what happens when we don't train. Right? So this quick video uh, might show a short part of this if it doesn't freeze on me, because it has been freezing sometimes. If it freezes, I'll move on. But sometimes without problems. For Barbara and Alice in the Green Barrier Public Schools, she had an opportunity to hear Greg and Lisa speak at a conference the, the previous winter. And in her role as executive director for, for pupil services. Okay, so that one did freeze on me again, sorry. It loaded once before. These two folks are talking about, um, without e-learning, some of the struggles that they had as a school system. And so I don't know if you guys would you know, buy into this, but they're trying to sell the e-learning because it is, it is part of the training and it's helpful, and it consistently delivers the content to everybody. The live training, in my opinion, after having experienced it, is what really puts in your head and in your, you know, in your mind uh, the things that you need to do in order to be able to respond to a violent critical incident. So, here's one of their definitions. Any event, any location where a person attempts to harm innocent people by any means, regardless of motivation. So, you've seen this in schools, you've seen this in businesses, you've seen it in shopping malls. And there, uh, there was a problem in a shopping mall in the Chicago area a couple weeks ago. Kevin, you remember that from the news? Yeah. What was that mess about again? Uh, Remember that story? Yeah, the person who was mentally unstable drove his car through Woodfield Mall. So, yeah. yeah. So you know, are the are the mall cops ready to deal with the uh, with the driver who is uh, running down the aisles and taking out kiosks? And I don't think that's in the options based training, but they surely did their best to lock down the mall first to clear as many people out of the way as possible figure out what is going on with the individual who's driving their vehicle in a place it doesn't belong. What can we do to contain them? You know, I, it's fascinating stuff. You, you get something new every week, every month, and every year. Has any two school shootings ever been the same? No. Far from it. Uh, they, come in different, they come in different varieties. They've come at elementary, middle, and high school levels. They've come now at college levels. Uh, like you say, multiple buildings versus singular buildings. Some of the things that happen, kind of incredible. But the Alice people have boiled this down to really what they think are two outcomes. 
the event's taken back under control by those who can render the event no longer dangerous. Or remove yourself and your kids as quickly as possible. And if you think about number two for a minute, when we get to the very end of our time, you're going to hear a couple-minute video about a woman who was in Columbine High School, in the library with kids. And she spends about five minutes on the phone with 911. How many kids do you think could have gotten out of the building in five minutes if she knew where the intruders were and that she had an option to get to an exit as quickly as possible? Could she have taken every kid out of the library and saved every life? You would think so. Two-story building, a lot of exits, a lot of options. But you need to know what your options are, right? And you need to know where people are. You need real-time information. So I'm going to talk to you again about your school infrastructure in a few minutes. What options do you have? How do you communicate when somebody's in your building? There's even a fascinating one that they showed us in training which I thought was one of the coolest stories you never hear of. There was a school where they, they took seriously their responsibility to um, you know, monitor even their security cameras. And you can imagine 16 to 32 cameras on a, you know, on a screen. If you were looking at that all day, every day, that'd be a tough job, right? We would all agree, yeah, that would, that would be brutal. But somebody happened to be in the right place at the right time, I would dare say it was the grace of God for that school that day. A kid came into school and got a gun into his locker. And the person who happened to be looking at the video at the time, feed, recognized the kid. Called the office administrators and said, I believe he just took a gun out of his locker and is likely to do some harm to some kids. What can we do to prevent that situation and not put anybody in danger? The administrator on the spot made a decision said, I think if we call him out by name, it might get him to rethink what he's trying, what he's thinking about doing. So they got on the speaker in that hallway, called out the kid by name, said, we see you, and we see what you're thinking about doing. And we're, we're ready to deal with it. And they kind of confronted him without physically being present. Kid turns, runs down the hallway, ditches the gun in the garbage can, and runs out the door. Never fired a shot, never hurt a person. Because somebody was watching. And took seriously their responsibility to be part of the security of the school. Don't even know how many lives they saved that day. What was it? Now, we know other situations have not turned out that well, right? And those are the ones that make the news all the time. And so they're the ones we're hearing about. Uh, certainly Stone and Douglas and the like. So I hope before you leave today you're going to get at least a couple of ideas of how, when, and why you would do both in your school and how that would serve you well. Okay? So uh, they show you a couple interesting videos. I'm, I'm looking for a reaction on this one. I'm not going to say much. I'm going to see what you guys think about hitting the deck.
computer came in and they were smart. They took out the adult in the room first. One person who might be in charge of this situation, give directions, and help the kids know what to do. Did the kids have any training? What do you think? It looked like it. No, it didn't look like it at all. They had no idea what to do, right? Some of them didn't even realize until a couple kids, you know, got shot. What even was happening? How many of us know what a gunshot sounds like inside a building? Okay. How many of us know what a gunshot sounds like outside a building? We've heard that one before, right? It's a much different sound. A shotgun sound different than a handgun? Very much so. Okay? And in buildings, acoustics are going to change all of that. Very different. Classroom versus gymnasium versus a hallway. Who knows what we're dealing with? And how do we know what we're dealing with? So I think what you might have just seen there is lack of training. Nobody in that room had any idea what to do. So they all were sitting ducks. And those who didn't get shot ducked under a table as quick as they could. Did anybody counter? No. Nobody went after the individual with the gun, right? Even when the person was facing this way, nobody from behind even made any attempt. Anybody see any books? Anything you could throw at that guy? A book bag? Right? What are your options? I got anything within grabbing distance, and that gun's not pointing at me, I am going to start chucking it at that guy. Because I don't want him killing my classmates, let alone turning the gun on me. So I'm going to try and distract him. And I even have a small demonstration, if we get to it, time allows, where I can show you what they showed us in training about how you can break somebody's concentration. And the example we saw in training was pretty amazing. A tactically trained ex-military, okay, person who had served in Iraq, who was also practicing their training as a policeman, came into a room. And the first time they came into the room, they had the opportunity to shoot at anybody and anything. And the question was, how many shots on target, we call it critical mass, could you get with your Nerf gun? You know, just firing off shots. And he's tactically trained, so he's taking in targets. And bam, bam, bam. In a matter of, say, 10 seconds, he hit four people in critical mass and could have killed them. Before we were able to, as adults, gain control of the situation, grab them, and get them to the ground. Then we switched the scenario. We were now all armed ourselves, we had something to throw at him. You know, just a little rubber ball. All we needed. And as soon as he walked in that door and started to acquire targets, everybody threw something at him. His ability to hit critical mass went down 30%. He only hurt one person critically. In the 8 or 10 shots he got off, less shots were fired because he had things coming at him which were distracting him so badly he couldn't acquire targets and he couldn't find anybody to shoot. His stuff was coming at him instead of him projectiling things at us. Scenario changes when a person's not in charge. It's pretty cool stuff. Try this. this one's a lot shorter and a lot quicker. But actual footage in an airport. Yeah, airports are full of things, aren't they? 
wondering how many people, you know, near the, uh, look at the whole situation, right? A lot of glass around, a lot of open space, conveyor belts, we've all been around them before. Could you die behind a conveyor belt? Possibly. The interesting thing about the video, too, is the intruder, or the, the shooter disappears right out of the video. So you're not even sure where he went, you know, which direction he's firing. I get a lot of questions about that one, about, you know, but what would you do? You're in a public place, right? We all fly. We're in airports. How'd the guy get a gun in an airport? That's probably the scariest question in the whole video. What in the world is he doing armed and dangerous in an airport? Um, lots of questions. All right? So, again, let's go back to Alice Basics. Very proactive approach to a violent, critical incident. Um, you're going to hear a lot about additional options. Lockdown's fine. I'm not going to throw lockdown under the bus today. I'm not even going to talk badly about it. But if your school does lockdown and your kids are in middle and high school and they're just cowering in the corner, think for a minute. That person, there's glass next to the door in uh, you know, my classroom. Okay, uh, Classrooms in all our buildings. Solid door, maybe a small window in it, but then next to it, there's panes of glass. Everybody else's school's like that? Yep. You got glass next to the solid doors? You have glass next to glass. Yeah, glass next to glass and glass on glass, right? Glass can be compromised, which we're going to, of course, see a couple of examples of. But um, lockdown's not bad. Everybody hides in the corner. What's the biggest problem with that? Just common sense. They're all together. Exactly. So as soon as I shoot through that glass and open your locked door and I step in, where are all my targets? They are together. Give me a mass of human flesh and let me have at it. Right? I don't want to scare anybody this morning, but is that the best strategy for survival for your kids? Huddle in the corner, hope and pray that nobody gets in the door. Now, some of the college shootings are actually uh, proving some of the Alice-based options are really true. And it's in another training, but I'll tell you the simple story. One professor in the uh, last... Uh, college shooting, I think it was West Virginia, may have the, may have the school wrong, but um, they had a professor who had some background in and was trying to save his kids' lives as well as his own life. So, didn't just practice traditional lockdown, but barricaded the door. The glass next to the door could not be seen. Now, if you're the intruder going down the hall, and you see it, you basically know you're going to run into locked doors, right? But if you take a two-second look, you see a locked door, and then you see tables and barricades, and you can't even see inside the room. You going in there? No, you got to keep moving. Exactly right. Looking for easy targets, trying to create the most amount of havoc and the most amount of damage in the shortest amount of time. So that guy went right past that door. Zero casualties in that professor's classroom. Next professor, lock the door, everybody hide, at least in a corner or hide somewhere, get under your desk, right in the room, eight, ten casualties, three, four deaths. There was no, no defense, no fight back, no counter, nothing. These are college, college adults sitting in cowering. So there's no training, so what happens? We die in large numbers because we're not ready to respond, okay? Um, and certainly this, this is one of their critical trainings, and that's why we went through a lot of stuff in two days. No event is the same. 
no school shooting has ever been done the same way. And that's not to say that these shooters are not uh, are, are such creative thinkers. They're not. They're just acting and reacting to the situation that they're in. They might have planned getting in the building. After that, nobody's really been able to say definitively that every one of these shooters has a specific plan. They don't. It's very random, and the violence that they're creating is very random. It's not sequential at all. And Alice is certainly going to increase your odds of survival. And everything I'm sharing with you today is based on the last 15, 17, 18 years of research. A lot of good stuff's gone into this. So, what does that look like? If you didn't know what A stands for in Alice, it is definitely alert. You've got to let everybody know in the building immediately we have a problem. Now, who knows the layout of your building enough to know that every classroom has, a, has like an identifying number? You know all the numbers on your map? Is every outside door on your building labeled? Yes. Good. A lot of schools got better at that the last couple of years. So did we. We picked up on that a couple of years ago, and one of our assistant principals did that. So if we need to let St. John police know that we have an armed intruder in Winby, and he entered door M, they actually have on file an electronic map of our school. And we have sent them that information, and they know which is door M. That's the door facing north toward the playground. Or it's the door facing east toward, you know, the wide open fields that are over there, retention pond or whatever it is. Or, you know, it's the south door going toward Park Place, which is a retirement community in the Arabs. Okay? So, what do you got to do with an alert? Yeah, a PA announcement is great. I already gave you the example of one PA announcement averted a crisis in a school. But how quickly... Can you let your people know what is going on? People in C-Wing in my building, our, our building's a giant X. Okay? Uh, Kevin, I, I remember the old high school well enough to know. If the intruder came in the end of A-Wing and started shooting, would anybody in the classrooms at the farthest end of the building, far C-Wing, would they have any idea there was a violent critical incident going on? Absolutely not. It is literally... 1,500 to 2,000 feet a hallway away? I mean, it is the complete other end of a very level, very long building. Not very level. Got a few stairs in there. But, you know, this, this, is the old high, this is my high school where I grew up. And I'm thinking, man, if that guy entered from the parking lot side, C-Wing it was called when I was there. Is that still the case? It does. Okay. So I called C-Wing then. The end of A-Wing. Could everybody in A-Wing evacuate in less than 90 seconds? If they knew that shooter was in Seawing, do they have a place to go? Okay, where are they going? Trinity. Okay, up the hill to Trinity? Yeah. Okay. In the largest building, where would they go? Is it a chapel? Gym. Okay, to the gymnasium, to Boss Gymnasium. Okay. So, uh, how many kids at school now, the 310 you have, how many kids know the plan? 310. They all know it. They do. Okay, when is it reviewed? We've already done it for the year. Oh, good. So you practiced it. Yep. Awesome. Anybody else done the same thing once with your student body yet this year? Halfway. I'm sorry? Not yet, but we're planning on that. Okay, it is planned. It's it planned? We developed a plan. We walked through it with the kids, but it was raining, so we kind of that. Okay. So so what is the option? How large is your student body, and where do you need to go? Uh, this is just for our middle school building. We've got about 160 kids. Uh, it's a combination of lockdown and evacuation plan. It kind of depends where you are um, in the building. 
we have a lot of class, a lot of problems too. But yeah, the, the kids have been told where to evacuate to when they leave the building, um, and kind of in what sector you are, what to do if you're in that area. Yeah. Teachers are supposed to be able to facilitate all that. Right. Right. Well, let's let's ask ourselves a minute. Hey, what if the office is attacked first? Huh? PA announcement is now useless. Because maybe a smart intruder goes, hey, i got to take out the office people because they're likely to be the ones who are going to communicate with everybody else in the building about what is going on. So what's your plan now? Has that scenario ever been discussed? Going through with your teachers or your people? I'm seeing a nod. What's the plan? Well, in theory, all of our phones in the school can do a page. And so then wherever you're in the building, you can do an all call. Okay, good. So the phone system is next if the PA is out. But the office still can't make that call because everybody in the office is dead. Yeah, so then if there's going to the teacher can. Wait a minute, that gets both of you guys. Yeah. Sorry to both of you. Yeah. I'm sorry, what were you saying? No, I was saying phones do that for us. So it goes over the PA. Right. Yeah. Well, would teachers feel empowered Maybe. to who's, whoever's in the nearest room? We just heard shots fired in the office, and the armed intruders in the office. All teachers, be aware. Take your first and best option to either evacuate or take countermeasures. Yeah, in theory, they should. Okay. Yeah, wouldn't it be great if all our people were like, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll do that. Sounds good. But how many people are going to be like, well, I don't want to say there's a shooter, and it's just, you know, somebody dropped a book really loud. You know, I yeah, feel like human true. nature, people are going to drag their feet. They're going to step out to go look target. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of... Yeah. Exactly. Do your do your classrooms lock from the inside? No. <laughs> we used to have classrooms. I, I don't know how this happened in the original building. Where you couldn't lock your own classroom door even, even from the inside. You had to go to the outside and take a key and spin your key around to lock your door. You got time to do that? When somebody's down your wing shooting it up, Jeff? Uh, yeah, I, I'm not putting my head out there. All right, that, those are some legitimate questions. We changed all our locks in our building. The year that we realized, whoa, that is a serious problem. We cannot do that. Other questions that have popped up so far? Go. What's hard for me is that I teach four periods in a row in the morning and then go to lunch, and sometimes I check my phone or email after that, and my phone's on silent because I don't want to be bugged. I, I have a hard time relying on Google Hangouts or something like that for a secondary Call. I, I just will be the person who will never see, hear it or see it, and so I, You're not alone I don't think that is a. I, I just hate that that is our secondary default. Okay. Now you're making a note about that, and you're bringing that back to your school. Oh, right? I have several times. Yeah, your administrators need to know that as a teacher, I don't feel like that's a reliable. Well, and, and like when we hear. Mr. Smith, right, that was his name, speaking yeah. about how don't teach in five minutes and then go check your phone and then teach in five minutes and go, I'm totally about that. Like, just let me teach this class period. So, right, at the same time, if this is the life-saving device through which, right, through which information is coming, where could your phone be placed that you would see the alert? Ideally, but I don't stand right next to my desk. Right. No, we're going with uh, Crisis Go, okay. which is an app. Um, 
because our public school is doing it and they thought to include us and so we got their pricing model which was really great but yeah because we had a real situation in the morning um, of a stolen car that crashed in our neighborhood or school and then they slid on foot and they realized the flaw was they couldn't let bus drivers know because they they send out a system-wide text, yep. but the bus drivers obviously can't look right. at their phone while they're driving. But now with Crisis Go, it'll play a certain signal or tone, so like and then they can pull over and check it. And it's kind of like an Amber Alert, yeah. except it is right. its own and tone. So we're, uh, and so, yeah, right. so that makes sense. Yeah. We had a couple I'm presenters, I forget the names of them, but Crisis Go is the one we're going with. But does, that, does it override the volume? I don't know. I, I'm assuming it does, but that's a good question. Yeah. Right, but the, Amber it, Alert, the Amber Alert definitely. But it was only affordable to us because the, the the public school superintendent said you know, to the company, "We yeah. want Dale Christian to get the pricing that our schools are getting." Okay. And yeah. Really helpful. So yeah, good for him for having a yeah. community mind versus yeah. an us versus them. Right, right. All right, taking our kids, you know, that kind of. That's nonsense. the first like alternative that I've heard that actually makes sense. Because yeah. I can lay this here, but I can have five kids hand me a paper and I set it there because it's, yeah. and then I have no idea where my phone is. Right. No, there is isn't. there is a <coughs> Right. So if your school is able, one thing our school just purchased this past year was that every single teacher in every single classroom also has a walkie-talkie. Mm -hmm. And you are encouraged to uh, turn those on and uh, certainly... Uh, the office uses them on a regular basis to communicate with teachers outside. So our entire school building has a walkie-talkie in every classroom. And every teacher's, you know, enabled and, and empowered to keep those with you. So, um, right, who makes it? Who receives it? Is it text or emergency notification? This slide brings up maybe 10 or 15 good questions for your school. And there are things that you have to consider because your building is unique, because your teaching situation is unique, because your ability to communicate might be compromised through one way. So do you have a backup? What does that backup look like? Who's going to use it? Is every teacher empowered to give that <clears throat> violent critical incident all call because the office got you know, taken out? Who knows? But there are scenarios that we want to talk about, okay? So that's an example. Um, better move along a little bit. So alert is important. Never said lockdown's a bad idea. Now, how many of your schools have looked at lockdown this way? Barricade the door. Spread out in the room with counter devices. Heard an example of a school recently. Their administrator happened to be a big hockey fan. I think he came from Canada. He gave every teacher a bucket of hockey pucks. Okay? Hockey pucks are not a terribly expensive thing. But I guarantee you when the intruder comes in and 25 hockey pucks are coming at him, that is going to hurt. And that is going to knock him off his stride. And he is going to have so much stuff hitting him at a decent yet, you know, really rapid pace. A couple shots to the head and all of a sudden that person could be going down. They're definitely going to drop their line of sight and their line of fire, which is something I'll talk about with just a toy gun in a couple minutes. If I popped in the door and wanted to shoot you, I need to acquire a target, right? And to do that, I need to sight a gun, and I need to be looking at you, and I need to be armed and loaded. And I hope I could get that done, but at the same time, you're all chucking balls at me, you'd be amazed. I'll put, I'll put you in that situation, if time allows, in a few minutes, and let you try it. You tell me how many targets you could acquire just trying to sight down your gun when stuff's flying at you. 
because I found it next to impossible, and I've tried it. It's a lot of fun, but it's a little scary too. So don't huddle, right? What are the alternate escape routes? How many people in here know how to properly break out a window? I saw one hand go up, right? Take a chair, throw it through the window. Wrong. How do you break a window? I have a baseball bat in my room that I use. That's great, but I'm still asking the question, how do you properly break out a window? Well, we actually have windows that we can open and just walk out. That's amazing. We don't have that. Yeah. My windows are all solid. That's fire drills that way. Okay, cool. Huh. Open instead of the hallway we walk the window. Right. So my windows are all solid, and there's five high ones, and there's five lower ones, and the lower ones are maybe the body shape of a small child, right? A little two-by-two two square. So you've got to decide if the armed intruder is in your hallway in and outside, and the best thing you can still do is evacuate. How do you properly break a window? You need something heavy and solid, and you need to break the corner because the, the glass is in a position of most strength and most tension in the corner. Throw the desk or chair at the middle of the window, it might come back and hit you right in the head. may not even go through the glass. Some glass is that strong. Okay? Some of it's tempered. Some of it's got the film on it that keeps it together. A lot of different things. But some solid device, even a hammer, bam, hit the corner of that thing, break all the shards out, and start putting kids out the window. Okay? And get them moving. Because it's your best option. Evacuate. Would that be feasible for the second floor? Yeah, that, that is a significant challenge. Now, some people have asked the question of their kids, and I would ask the question even myself, would I rather hang from a second floor window, drop 8 to 10 feet, maybe sprain an ankle, hurt a knee a little bit, recover in a couple days and still be alive? I like that option versus staying in the classroom where the shooter can get to me or can get to all my kids. Second story is not ideal. I know there are some other there are some other options, but hanging out, dropping, and living, even with a broken bone or two, I'll take that. That's hard to practice. I, I totally I totally agree. That is that is life in that situation. Pretty tough, I agree. But when you think about your school doing lockdown, how many of these things are being talked about? Let alone, I brought up the hockey pucks a minute ago. Almost forgot the other part. This administrator is pretty smart about this. Gave every classroom a couple of liter bottles of water because in a real lockdown where the police get involved and your building is shut down, you could be in your room for hours. Bucket serves as a bathroom. Okay? Water for the kids to sip on. You're not going anywhere. You're stuck. You're stuck for hours. So you take all the hockey pucks out. Now you've got an impromptu board body. There's going to be some kids very nervous, very upset. That's a very traumatic thing for everybody to go through. How about a portable bathroom? I mean, many of my class, our classrooms have sinks in them. So I guess that's another option. But you've got to think about stuff like that. What can we do to counter? What can we do to keep kids safe? What could we do to be, what will we do when we're stuck in our room for four to five hours before the building is finally deemed? Not a crime scene anymore. They show you a place to get out. You're contacting all your parents. You've got your central rallying point. A lot of things to go through there. Okay? Um, certainly, you've known from the shooting scenarios in the past, you've all talked about glass. Glass is an issue. It's everywhere. It's in all our schools. And yes, it can. 
Uh, it can be defeated and it has been defeated. So you do have to consider that. What are my options? Is glass going to be a barrier to me? It certainly isn't going to stop the intruder. Okay? So, a couple other things. Inform. By all means, the most crit- one of the most critical steps that some of us just don't really think about. When everybody turns on that walkie-talkie and one of our administrators is telling everybody that intruder is in, entered, entered wing B, and that was door N, if whatever door it is. And is you know entering the building now. <coughs> All the teachers in A and C wing should be thinking automatically. Open my classroom. Get my kids out as fast as I can. Evacuate. Go, 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 go. Go as quickly as you can. Don't go and hurt anybody. But you have to know where the incident is begun, has begun, or where it is currently happening. Because then you're giving everybody in the building the option to do something to save their own life and their kids' lives. Think about those elementary teachers. Are you going to get any counter under fifth grade? I highly doubt it. Even most fifth graders, I'm pretty sure, would be in a full-blown panic. I don't know that they would, that they would you know, jump on the opportunity to go after an intruder. We went so far in training as to actually take the intruder down. And we practiced ways to do that. And so I I even did it as a PE exercise with my 8th graders, just for fun one day. I said, Dad, come here, let's figure out how you take an intruder down. So we took the biggest, strongest kid in class and put five kids on him. And yeah, at some point, he could break out. Well, what I was trying to get them to realize is there's ways to keep somebody at bay or to hold them in a position where they can't hurt anybody. And, you know, you take their gun, you remove it from them, you cover it with a garbage can, or some just common sense training things you can do. But this inform is so important. It's the what, where, when, how, and who. comes over the PA system. It could be your phones. could be your radios. Are there any other options your school has to communicate effectively, quickly to everybody involved? So look at your situation and have plan A. And for sure have at least a plan B. Because you don't know which form of communication might also be taken out by that person getting to the PA system or whatever it is. Okay? Alright. Now, counter is probably the one that my middle school and high school folks would be most interested in. But i got to tell you, this is the one you got to be the most careful with. Because when you're talking about actually training it with kids... This is why they spent two days with us. And they talked to us about the way you need to do training properly. Who's heard of a company or a school that didn't let the local police know that they were doing active shooter drills? Did you guys hear about this at all? It happened in Chicago area recently. Within the last uh, eight weeks, I caught it on the news. You cannot not let your local police know that you're going to do an active shooter drill. Because they came, de- they came into an active shooter drill situation and treated it, the police did, like an active shooter. Because nobody informed them. Can you imagine? We've got the, you know, the semi-real looking guns out and we're, we're trying to simulate a situation and I believe it was in a school system. And they did not inform their local police. Hello. So that administrative team definitely... Uh, heard about that, and that's a problem. But this person, of course, 
target acquisition, their site alignment, trigger control, stance grip, and breathing. I'm not even going to get into that. We don't have time for that. But if you're going to counter, you're trying to take that person out of their element. Because they probably practiced it. Even if it was the fun game we did when we were kids. Anybody else a duck hunt fan when you were younger? Mm -hmm. okay, that goofy dog that laughed at me all the time. Yeah, you remember him? So, you remember, you're, you're literally training yourself just on that play game. Um, anybody ever read about the two young men who shot up Columbine? What was their training? Video. Yeah, violent video games. Seriously violent video games. Hours, days, weeks, and months. Desensitizing them. Conditioning them. Right? If you've ever seen the Rachel Scott story, pretty amazing uh, movie. But those those guys were just in in you know game mode. At least one of them was. And I know another one who um, th these guys always talk about in training. They never mention any of the names of any of the individuals who have ever done these heinous things. The kid in Kentucky, and I do know his first name. But even trained marksmen in the military marveled at the fact that that young man had more headshots and gunfire than most snipers ever had in any tour of duty in military history. That kid was so desensitized and so well-trained to shoot moving targets and to acquire them quickly that he hit most of his victims and killed them in one shot in the head. Now that's really sad. But it's a big caution to our families and our parents about these games are not teaching our kids many useful things. Okay, So why does counter work? There's this great thing that they talk about. It's called the OODA loop. You're observing, you're orienting, you're deciding, and you're acting as the shooter. Now, you don't really need to write this down because this is, this is something that um, if your school chooses to get into training, you're trying to break this person's ability to grab a target, to stay on focus, to find that target, and to shoot you to cause bodily harm. And by throwing things at that, at that person, you accomplish a lot of that, okay? So what are things you can do just in your classroom? That intruder walks in the door, you're in middle and high school. The first thing kids do is scream bloody murder. Always tell them in my P class, don't yell, don't yell. That guy comes in your door, let him have it. You give him all the volume you got. Every single person screaming at the top of their lungs. The second thing they see is kids moving all over. The further they are away from the shooter, the less likely you are to get hit. So movement and distance are great. Things start flying through the air. Book bags, books, hockey pucks, rocks. I don't care what it is. Anything that can be thrown through the air. At that intruder in middle and high school, if your kids ever get a chance to practice it, anything that distracts them is great. Go ahead. If I may, full disclosure, I'm a combat vet from Iraq. I was in the Army okay. for a while before I became a teacher. And just also know that when engaging targets, when you're shooting, when you're in a situation like this, that shooter's going to have what we call tunnel vision. I think it's just a human characteristic that pretty much affects everybody. But yeah. the peripheral goes, you know, you're, you're focusing on just a few key things. Your gross motor, your fine motor skills are reduced. You know, this is a 
very good idea. Like they aren't going to see everything in the room. They're going to be keyed in on a few items. So if you're off to the side, if you're behind whatever, that, that really is something you can do to, to disrupt their, their line of sight or their shooting, their breathing, all that stuff. Yeah, for sure. So you see the last thing. What's the goal in all of this? You're trying to take back control of the situation from the person who wants to hurt you and hurt your kids. Now, when you're an elementary teacher, your options are much more limited. I get that. But middle and high school folks, you have some options here. You have some opportunities. And, you know, God forbid your kids ever need to defend themselves. But I certainly hope that they would be willing to act on their own behalf to try and counter. Anything is better than nothing. Certainly sitting still and huddling in a corner is about the worst thing we could ever do. All right, other questions that have come up. Thank you for that, by the way. appreciate that. The experience in this first game is really, really part of the critical training. And when you go through it and people are whipping stuff at you, you should be amazed how quickly your gun goes down and you don't have any idea who or what's coming at you anymore. It's, it's really really amazing how well counter works. Okay. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no? Sure. Yeah. But to reiterate, too, you know, practice makes perfect like so many things, right? Like, you can yeah. practice this, you can talk about it with kids, you can talk about it with colleagues, whatever, but you know, when the moment actually comes, people still do freeze. You know, um, so you might not get 25 pucks, but if you get three or four, like you said, anything is better than nothing. So just, just kind of how some people are wired. Soldiers who train their entire careers for combat, the first bullet flies past their head and they freeze. It just happens. Like, no doubt. You, know, you can't control those. But yeah, practicing makes it at least more likely that you respond. So. Right. And even our junior psychologists in the room, right? Fight or flight, we're going to decide in that moment. And, like, and you're, very, you're very correct about we are all wired differently. Every kid in that room is going to react differently. Now, what happens when the adult freezes? Yeah, that puts everybody's life at a greater risk, which is why training is so important, which is why knowledge is critical. And options-based training is what really gets us reacting in real time to the real thing, even if it's just with teachers in the building one day, in your classroom, maybe without kids, and you respond to the informed you know, signal coming from the office. And everybody you know, reports in, what would you do? What's your best choice based on the information I gave you? So you could run 15 minutes to a half hour scenarios just from the office, just from the PA system, changing the location of the shooter, changing the type of violent critical incident, the action that the person's taking against your building. You just keep mixing it up so everybody looks at it and tries to figure out what's best for you. Okay? And this is, of course, the end of E, the E and L's. Everybody should feel empowered to know they can leave. Get out. Got to know the safe place, of course. Where are we meeting? Because then, of course, we have that huge responsibility. Every kid in our classroom, we're responsible for every child. Let's get them there. Let's get them there safely. And let's get them there quickly, right? No vehicle movement. It's got to be all on feet. Okay? Remove as many potential targets in as many classrooms as you can. Get kids out. Okay? And then parents aren't coming to school because the police are dealing with, you know, bullets in the walls and, and injuries and there's, you know, there's EMTs and not, now you've got 400 less kids in the building, right? 
and they're evacuated and they have a chance to, you know, get out and go to the rally point. We're really fortunate. A uh, retirement community home was built literally across the street from our school. We now also have a church just completed. Uh, I know we need to update our plan. We need to talk to both places. The church seats 400. We have 740 kids in our school. If we could get everybody out, do we go to two places instead of one? Wouldn't the church be on lockdown too? Possibly. I know ours would be across the street. Possibly, but I, I the the office personnel that are in there on a daily basis that I'm aware of right now are the pastor and one assistant. So would the church go on lockdown? Possibly. Would the church open itself up to the school evacuating? I certainly would hope so, because many of our kids actually attend that church. So I'd love to know that we have that working relationship, but I'm not that far in our process either. We need to find out more. So, any thoughts about evacuate? Sure makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Yeah. So and that is like the new, like, kind of angle, right? Like when Columbine happened, the big problem was it, the cops treated it like a hostage situation, and yep. everyone else just you know stayed put. But that is like I think what the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security says now is that no matter what scenario, corporate or school or whatever is, yeah, get out if you can. Yeah. Now, this video is five minutes long, and I, we don't need to hear the whole thing, but probably within two to three minutes, I think the lesson learned will be very obvious to you. But listen to just the sheer panic in this woman's voice. It is sober. learning 
you're going to get a great result. If somebody in your school is willing to get trained, I would highly recommend it. A lot of great stuff out there. Um, questions that are still in your mind? <coughs> Almost out of time. Wasn't there a shooting where they pulled the alarm? Correct. Get the kids out? Correct. Did your school now take all your fire alarm triggers out? I don't think so. Ours did. Just this summer, I'm really proud of our facilities manager. I'm so impressed. He heard from the state of Indiana. State of Indiana said as of 2018, when that uh, we started school last August, every fire drill was required to have a three-minute delay because it was uh, it was the Florida one, something Stone and Douglas went right in an exit, right? Shooter came right in an exit, pulled the fire drill. <laughs> 300 plus targets in the hallway in seconds started firing. Because all the kids are trained. As soon as the fire drill goes off, everybody out, gotta go, gotta go, gotta go. Our school started a three minute delay. By the state's recommendation, and I agree with it. So now the next recommendation from the fire marshal was much better. Let's take every single fire drill indicator out of the building except one. That's the one you pull in the office to get a fire drill started. So all ours are gone. They've all been replaced by blank plates. So now fire drills do happen again immediately when kids leave. But there's no way a shooter can get to that unless they compromise the office and had that inside knowledge about a building. So that's the only one left. So that was a big change for us this year. But I thought the state of Indiana responded appropriately to that a year ago and said, just delay three minutes to make sure that it's real. And kids get used to realizing that somebody could use your fire suppression system against youth as a school and fill your hall with people they want to hire. So, good thought, and I do appreciate that. That's a good final question. You guys good? Just one more comment. You reach out to your local police departments. Mm -hmm. At Timothy, we, like I said, we have a new building, and you know, the, the local PD came in and kind of said, well, you guys are screwed. Uh, just lay out of the building. Just, there's nothing you can really do. Literally, their words. Uh, so try to reach out to them. If, if you hit dead ends, there's a lot of uh, you know, law, ex-law enforcement, even just cops kind of do it as consulting work. We found a former police officer who's... Uh, does security for FedEx now. He's like in charge of their building security. And he came in and did our plan. We did have to get it signed off by the local police. Um, but, yeah, they're out there. They're willing. To, I think it should be their responsibility. But, uh, like I said, our local cops kind of proved me wrong. But, uh, there's, yeah, there's companies. There's other options, too, that you know, are, are pretty accessible. So, you can just ask around your churches. Ask around, you know, maybe somebody has an uncle who's an FBI agent. Anybody can step in. Yeah. Yeah, thank you all for coming. Appreciate it.